Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by John Crampton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. <laughs> so good. Yeah, looking forward to being together. Imagine that, 250 of us singing flat out. Oh my goodness. I wonder, I wonder if the roof is going to be able to take all of that. Yeah, so, so good. Well, uh, we've just had a most amazing weekend together and uh, just uh, so, so much energy amongst God's people as we came out to worship for hours on end on Friday. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the Lord is stirring something absolutely fresh and beautiful among His people. Yeah, the sense to, to get in His presence, to take more and more time to worship Him. And, uh, you know, that's the agenda. It's Him. Yeah. And so, you know, we no longer are coming to be entertained or impressed, but we're actually just coming together for Him to enjoy Him and, uh, you know, to enjoy one another. You know, I think that's one of the hardest things that we've experienced during this whole lockdown period is the fact that we have been isolated and we've sensed that isolation. But the Lord is beginning to restore something to us as the body of Christ. And we're beginning to recognize that actually something of what Daryl was reading from Mark chapter 16, that actually, you know what? His resurrection power flowing in us, even if there is something toxic and poisonous around, His power and His strength is really strong. Oh, come on. Why should we fear a virus? Oh, um, you know, let's be careful, but let's not be fearful. And I think too many people switch from being careful to being fearful. And, and I, I think that the, this time now with the body of Christ is actually rising up in strength and actually saying, you know what? We're coming out of hibernation. Yeah, we're coming out of hibernation thinking and we're coming out of hibernation living. First starts with the thinking with the renewal of your mind, recognizing that actually God is powerful and He's watching over us and He's going to care for us. And as He does that, as we walk out in strength and in power, hey, our lives are in His hands. I mean, come on. The people who suffered terribly from Corona, and there have been many who have suffered terribly, is it all because they were, you know, like rebelling? They didn't wash their hands. They they didn't do what they should. They weren't careful. No. So just being careful and just washing your hands isn't necessarily going to save you. All of our lives. Or in his hands. So let's live with faith and trust in him. Our, our lives, Lord, are not in our protocols. Our lives are in your hands. And so we're going to live faithful lives. 
while we wash our hands. Does it make sense? All right, fantastic. So when we have opportunities together, come on, let's come, let's encourage each other, let's strengthen each other, and, uh, and let's lift our voices together. And that's just been the beautiful, beautiful thing over this weekend as we just came together, be with Him, be with one another, and uh, just appreciate uh, taking communion together as the family of God. So, yeah, looking forward for us to be able to do that more often. And, uh, yeah, so good. Well, we're here this morning because of Jesus. And we're here more because of the resurrection than the crucifixion. Now make no mistake, the crucifixion, absolutely vital and pivotal in terms of our faith in God and our ability to come before God in righteousness. Because it's not our righteousness, it's the righteousness of Christ. And so because of the cross, there was this incredible transformation that took place. And this exchange where our unrighteousness was exchanged for His righteousness. Our sinfulness was put on Him and the sinless one became sin for us. And instead of us being judged, He was judged. And the wages of sin is death. And He paid the price instead of us having to pay the price. This is phenomenal. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Oh, but hallelujah. That was Friday. But we always knew Sunday, Sunday was the coming. Resurrection. The first day of the week. The grave could not hold him down. Death was defeated. And so we're here because of the resurrection. And we live because he is alive. He's alive and he's alive forevermore. And because he is alive, we too can have eternal life. If it just ended at the cross, we would not be able to experience the fullness of eternal life. It's because he is resurrected, we too will be resurrected. Okay, so would you turn with me, please? We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And Paul is going to be explaining why the resurrection was such a big deal. And there was a problem in those days, just like there's a problem nowadays, fake news. Yeah, fake news was spreading everywhere and uh, they hadn't managed to cancel some of these guys. And so people were saying that actually Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. There was no resurrection. 
And so they were, they were causing a confusion in uh, the body of believers amongst those who were following after the way of truth. And so Paul writes and he helps them come to an understanding of actually what was going on and why the resurrection is so important. Are you okay with that? Okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. Oh, don't you just love that? They've taken a stand because of the gospel. They're not just falling for anything, but they're actually making a stand, a stand for truth and for righteousness. They're coming out of religion, they're coming out of bondage, and they're coming into life, but they have to take a stand in order to hold on to the truth. More and more, in our day and in our time, believers are going to have to take a stand. Three people are ready for that one. Let's... Uh, I'm just teasing you guys. All right, I know that you've got your masks on and it's not always easy to hear you, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting that you are alive. And I want to hear so. Yeah? Believers in the early church had to rise up and take a stand. And it's no different for us today. Why do we think that there's, you know, we're, we're in unprecedented times. Yeah, we heard that, that expression. Hmm? We, you know, we, we don't have normal times anymore. We need to find some kind of a new normal. You know, this is unprecedented. It's kind of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, wait a minute. There have been epidemics and pandemics across the planet where tens of millions of people have died under a plague. Like wiping out a third of the population. Don't you think that that was way more intense than what we're facing now? Yeah, your maths isn't that bad. All right. So the intensity of what we're facing, is it real? Yes. But don't think that we're the only people who have to take a stand. There have been many generations of believers they're part of the great cloud of witnesses right now. And they're cheering us on. And they're saying, hey, we went through plagues, famines, disasters. We held on. We took a stand. Guys, you can also take a stand. And guess what? It's time to rise up and stand. All right. Verse 2. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly... To the word I preach to you. Otherwise you've believed in vain. Okay, he's hinting now that there's something that they've, they've got to hold on to. Because there's some, some shady stuff that's taking place. Verse 3. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. Okay, in other words, there is evidence that Jesus appeared to a whole bunch of people and he really did resurrect 
in the flesh. He wasn't just an apparition, wasn't just a ghost, wasn't just some kind of a vision or a figment of their imagination. Jesus actually appeared. I was just reading through the different gospel accounts of the resurrection. And Jesus, he did some crazy things. I mean, he really spooked the boys. He just like, woof, came through the walls, came into this locked room. Because the disciples, they were really afraid that they were next. That they were, you know, there was a cross with their name on it. And, and so there was real intensity. In, in the, and Jesus comes in and he just appears amongst them. And he says, don't be afraid. And he says, touch me. And they, they touch his his, his hands and, and they see the wounds. They, they see the, not just the scars. I mean, it was the holes from where the nails had gone in. Yeah? Where the nails had gone in, probably, you know, this is probably the, the, the point where it went in. Okay? So the, 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 the word in the scriptures, you know, it talks about this part of the, the hand. It's not necessarily just the palm of the hand where the nails went in. All right? So probably, yeah, interlocking amongst the bones here in the wrist area. Okay? So Jesus invites them to come and, come and inspect the wounds that they can see that it's really him. Come and touch me. Come and feel. And they're still kind of like, okay, we're not so sure about this. And then he says, give me some fish to eat. Because if it was a ghost, you know, it would go in and just plop, would fall on the floor. All right? There'd be no substance to hold the fish up. So Jesus demonstrates that he really is a body that's been resurrected. It's also giving us some clues because if he was the first fruits of what kind of a body we might get when we are resurrected. And it's a resurrected body that is fit for the new earth. Hallelujah. But he appeared not to just a few people who were delusional. Because there were fake news reports going out. You know, it was just a few people. No, more than 500 people at one time saw Jesus. Okay? You can't have such a massive crowd of people trying to keep a fake news story alive. Because of, you know, trying to create some new religion, some new cult. No. So we got proof here that this is real. It's genuine. Okay. Verse 7. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and I do not even deserve to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church of God. Oh my goodness. Paul was an enemy of the people of the way. The believers. The church. And so that's why he's saying, you know, I'm the least of these guys. Because I actually was out there persecuting. I was hunting Christians down to sort them out. And so he, he recognizes where he was, and he said, I don't even deserve to be categorized with these other guys. Isn't that incredible humility? But by the grace of God, verse 10, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, 
I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. Right? So Paul is coming back and he's underlining, he's taking out the highlighter pen and he's saying, guys, in terms of your belief, this is the most important thing. This is the resurrection is the cornerstone of what we stand on. You're taking a stand for the gospel? Great. What's the stand about? The stand is all about the resurrection of Jesus. You lose the resurrection, you lose it all. Now he goes to explain why. He says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Okay? So the, the fake news had different aspects to it. Some people saying, yeah, look, it's all right for Jesus to rise again, but at the end, when we die, we're done. That's it. Game over. So live your life. Enjoy it now. You know, get the help that you can from God. Enjoy the best that you can on this planet. But then at the end, there is no more. We just, we just cease to be. And there are a lot of people, a lot of philosophers even today who still want to perpetuate this kind of an understanding. That there is no hereafter. There is no resurrection. Okay, so Paul is speaking into these, um, these uh, philosophies and he's challenging them because he's saying, right, well, if you say that there is no resurrection for anybody from the dead, well, then Christ could not have been resurrected. If Christ wasn't resurrected, then he doesn't live forever. It's kind of like, oh, my goodness. Okay, so he's he's unpicking some of their false arguments. So that was verse 13. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. So there's a big reason why we need to ensure that this understanding of the truth of the resurrection is upheld, because otherwise the basis of the proclamation of the gospel, our preaching, it's useless. Well, obviously we don't want our preaching to be useless, but we know it's not useless because it's based on the truth that in fact he actually did rise again. Verse 15, more than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. So we don't want to be false witnesses. So that would be another reason why we need to ensure that we are refuting any arguments that would want to say, no, he didn't get out of the grave. Right? Because we don't want to be false witnesses. Okay? Verse 16. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. So he's, 
is digging deeper into this argument. So if you're saying that Christ wasn't raised from the dead, well, your faith is futile and you're still stuck in your sins. Because it's only through the full defeat of death that our sins are also done away with. Right? Because the wages of sin is death. So he has to fully defeat death in order to comprehensively trash, destroy sin and the effects of sin. Is this powerful? So the resurrection is so important. Otherwise, no resurrection, you're still stuck in your sins. So the crucifixion would have been a waste without the resurrection. Mm -hmm. Come on, this is deep stuff. Verse 18, then those also who have fallen asleep, and this is a euphemism, okay, it's talking about people who've died, okay? It's not like just when it's long preach, you know, and people enter into rest and they start sleeping during a sermon. That's not what we're talking about here, okay? It's talking about those who've actually died. So then those also who have died in Christ, they would be lost, because if there's no resurrection, then they wouldn't be resurrected either. And he goes on in verse 19. Now, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Okay, why? Because we're putting our hope in a false religion. If there's no resurrection, goodness, you're actually giving people false hope. So then you're the most to be pitied because you've been giving people something to hang on to, but that something actually doesn't exist. So it's futile. Pity them because they've been deceived. They've been led astray. Verse 20. But Christ has indeed. <laughs> Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So of all those who died, Christ is the first fruits. The first one to be resurrected. And he is the first. The first fruits blesses the rest of the harvest. Yeah? Come on. God sets up a system in, under the old covenant... That's a shadow pointing to the real genuine substance of the new covenant. In the old covenant, you'd bring the first fruits, which was a sacrificial offering by faith that would bless the rest of the harvest. And Jesus is the sacrificial offering. And he opens up the way for the rest of the harvest to be blessed. We're the harvest. And if he gets raised from the dead, hallelujah, we too will be raised from the dead. Verse 21. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam... All die. So in Christ, 
all will be made alive. Oh, that's beautiful. Beautiful. Verse 23 goes on to say, you know, Jesus was the first fruits and we are going to be included. Right? We're not going to be stuck in the grave. Hallelujah. Yay, yay, yay. All right. So, why is this important for us? It's so important because this is a fundamental tenant of the faith. You read the ancient creeds of the church. We believe that he died, he was buried, and on the third day he rose again. Right? Absolutely essential aspect of our faith. We've got to hold on to this thing. Wow. You know, people say, you're a little bit strange. You believe in an ancient mystic who walked around in the Middle East 2,000 years ago. He died. And one day he's going to come back and fetch you. It's going, yeah, we believe that. But he died. Ah, but that's not the full story. Not only did he die, but he rose again. It's because he rose again that he's coming again. Woo! Woo! So this is Paul looking back at the resurrection. And he's dealing with a lot of fake news. But I just love that Jesus set up the followers that they would have a bit of an understanding of what was going to happen with resurrection as he does this, this sort of kingdom foretaste with Lazarus. Yeah, you remember Lazarus? Lazarus has got two sisters, Mary and Martha, and they're very well known. And uh, Jesus spends a bit of time with them over the years. They live in a small place called Bethany. It's about three kilometers from Jerusalem. And uh, word comes to Jesus that Lazarus, his friend, who he is close to, is very, very sick and is dying. And Jesus says, good. And... The disciples are perplexed. It's kind of like, don't you care? He says, no, I'm deliberately staying here because this is going to be for his glory, for, for the glory of God. Yeah, because he's fallen asleep. And the disciples thought, oh, another one of the long sermons. So Jesus then tells them bluntly, come on, guys, he's dead. But I'm glad that this has happened so that you may believe. Oh my goodness. So that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, that he is the son of God, that he has power and authority to give life. So they go there, catches up with Martha firstly, 
She meets him a little bit out of the village. And she professes her faith in Jesus as the Messiah. She says, yeah, I believe that in, on the last day in the resurrection, you know, we will all be raised up. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Wow. This is a few, few weeks before the actual crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He speaks these words. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he die, he will live. Oh, oh my goodness. You see, the cross didn't take Jesus by surprise. The grave, the tomb, Oh, what are we going to do to get out of this one? He knew he had power and authority over death. He came to be on the cross and to be that curse. Scripture says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, referring to the crucifixion. He came to break the curse, the curse that came over all of humankind because of the fall. He comes to completely overturn all of the effects of the fall. To do away with the wrath of God, the just wrath of God that was due against everyone who rebelled. It started with pride. Oh, we can be just like God. It came with rebellion. I'm going to do it my way. God said, do not eat of the tree, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Through the fall came so many curses on humankind and on the planet. Hallelujah. Jesus, because he was the perfect one, he could come and he could break the power of sin Sickness, death, curse. Talk about a reset. Oh my goodness. He doesn't just reset. He does the restore. Because all throughout the revelation of God through the old covenant, restore is always to take it to a higher level. Higher levels. Restoration. Because we believe, we don't have to wait until that final last day 
when he comes again, the second coming, to be caught up with him and get our resurrection body. Some people call that the rapture. Rapture, you won't actually find that word in the scriptures, but it's describing to be caught up with him in the clouds. When he comes, the second coming, yes, we'll be caught up with him. Hallelujah. But eternal life begins the minute, the moment we say yes to Jesus. Yes, I'm turning away from doing it my way and I'm turning to you. I submit to your rule, government, lordship. You are the king. You're the king of my life. Not just the king overall, but the king of my life. Oh, the moment we say yes, we enter into eternal life. It's by believing. And then one day, one day, when he comes again, he was the first fruits. He was the first one to receive his resurrection body. When he comes, the second coming, all of us, woo woo, amen. If you thought I look good now, if you thought you had a heavenly body, imagine what kind of a body you're going to have. Oh, glory. So we glory in the cross, but oh, hallelujah, we glory and we rejoice in the resurrection. Come on. Would you stand with me? Believe that this is a time where we come out of a kind of a mentality of hibernation. You know, the resurrection is a time for restoration, but also to actually stand up. We need to stand up in our thought processes, in our belief and in our actions. We're not under the circumstances. We're rising above. Amen. Yeah? And it takes a certain kind of mentality, a renewed mind, to recognize that we can, in and through Jesus, have resurrection life. And that resurrection life begins even now. And so because of that, we are empowered, we are strengthened, we are encouraged and so as we, as we rise up in belief, in faith, in hope, come on, there's the blessed hope. He's coming again. It's because of the resurrection He's alive. And because He's alive, He lives forevermore and He's coming back for His own. Come on, let's determine we're going to rise up in Christ. We're not going to let fear hold us down anymore. If the grave could not hold him down, why should we let fear hold us down? We're coming out of our tomb. We're coming out of our hibernation. We're rising up with confidence, boldness, faith, trusting in the Lord. No matter what happens, even to this body, we, because we believe in him, we will live forever. Come on, get, a, get an amen, a hallelujah. 
Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Lord, we worship you. We honor you. We glory in you. We glory in the cross and we glory in the resurrection. Oh, hallelujah. He is risen. He is risen. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And our hearts cry is Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come again. Come in power and might and splendor. Lord, even as we look to your coming again, we ask that you would fill us with such boldness and confidence, knowing that we are partakers of resurrection life. We have entered into eternal life through believing in the one and only the Messiah, our Lord, Jesus, the Christ. And so, Lord, let faith rise up inside of us, stir us up again, that we would rejoice today and every day. Oh, what a great day it is to be alive. Every day is a great day to be alive because you're alive. You're alive. You're alive. Oh, so let's praise Him. Let's worship Him. Let's celebrate the goodness and the power of our God, the resurrected one. Hallelujah. Let's lift our voices. Let's praise Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.